Hello and welcome to the first week of the NL Full-Time Podcast. We had the preview show last week, but you can feel the excitement building. Now I'm down here at the Peninsula Stadium, the first game of the National League season. It's live on BT Sport. It's Salford City versus Leighton Orient. The big boys, former league boys, Leighton Orient, against the new boys, Salford City, with big ambitions. You can feel the excitement in and around the ground. There's people queuing up down the street to get in here. It's the only hottest ticket in town. I'll keep you updated. I'll also be reviewing the National League action over the weekend as well. So I'm here in the Peninsula Stadium still, and uh, I'm in the press box, and I'm sat next to the non-league papers. Matt Badcock and Matt, you can just the sun's shining. You can just feel the atmosphere. The football season's ready to go again. Yeah, that's no, perfect, perfect uh, way to kick off the new season, isn't it? And what a game as well to to begin with. See Salford. I don't know if you've heard about them, but they've uh, done a bit of business this summer. And then Orient as well. You know, to really build on what happened last year. Obviously last. This time last year, they were just happy that their club back. But I think there's a bit more of a determination now among everyone that they can maybe uh, maybe do something in the league this season under Justin Edinburgh. Yeah, interestingly, I know Josh Coulson and both Alex Lawless and himself have both said the pressure's more on Salford maybe, but they're coming here to win the game. They're not going to come here and be sort of oh we're just going to roll over for Salford City. We're going to come here to get a draw. They they feel they can get here and, and party poop, can't they today? Yeah, I think and I think they're quite rightly to think that as well. You know, they've got some big players in there who've succeeded. You know, say like Josh Coulson he's been promoted from this division Alex Lawless has been promoted from this division they've got some very very good players in there It'll be, you know, Justin Edmund has been promoted from the division as well they're not, they're not coming here to get a point and sort of you know, take part in the day and everyone have a nice time and sort of TV cameras are out and let roll over and let Salford sort of beat them, they're, they're not here for that I, I went down to the Orient training ground the other week actually and you can sort of just feel there's you know, real sort of good spirit down there, they get some real sort of hope for the, uh, for the new season How do you see both sides going? I mean I know a couple of us, myself included, tipped to Orient to win the league uh, we've got Salford to get in the playoffs a couple of other uh, uh, people we have on the podcast tip Salford to be champions so potentially you could be looking at one of the champions here today Matt it's a six pointer already yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you've got to respect Salford's recruitment and their budget as well you know it's no secret what they're trying to do they want to get out of this league first time because they think it'll save money in the long run you can understand that that's the, the issue with this league is that it is only one up automatically and uh, leaves little room for, for error but I think Orient will be I expect Orient to be up there I expect them to both be up there and I think he's sort of you know among others but I think this could be this is a really intrig- intriguing opening game of the season It's interesting as well Graham Alexander it's kind of a trip into the unknown for him I asked him last week he's managed at league football but you've seen a lot of managers who manage at league one and league two clubs come down to the national league and have the fingers burnt a little bit because they've underestimated it a little bit now he said he's not going to do that but it will be a bit of an eye-opener for him at times won't it yeah I think there will be uh, I think he's sort of his, his record not only as a manager but also as a player and what he achieved in the game it commands respect and I know that he, he won't be taking anything anything lightly but I think there will be sort of things that will be eye-openers they've got a you know some of the players have been around like Danny Lloyd's been around non-league I think that's why it's a, a good sign but you know some of the other lads are going to have to understand what it's like to go to a part-time team on a Tuesday night when the game's been called off early in the season and it is horrible you've got to sometimes just get those horrible points or away wins and just um, move on and sort of not, not worry about too much about playing beautiful football all the time I think you know you look at when Fleetwood went up they would sometimes they'd go to an Alfreton and they'd put four central midfielders across the middle of the park and try and get the try and get the result and that's what you've got to do it's not an 
an easy league it's a mix of challenges one one day you're playing a full-time big club like Leonor and another day you're playing a part-time club who want nothing more than to get one over and finally Matt I'm going to put you on the spot name your two promotion teams that are going to go up this season well if you saw my uh, piece in the non-league paper last week you can see that I'm firmly on the fence but <laughs> I like to write around write around predictions but I'm not very good at this game but I think that this oh, God, my predictions were shocking I predicted Maxwell to go down last year so there we well, go I was looking back at last year's and I was looking at I thought if only I'd sort of tipped Maxwell as a dark horse so I'm thinking then no one I'm sort of, and that's the beauty the beauty of this league you know I think like I said I think these two will be right out there I think Ebsley are going to have a big say file and uh, you know Chesterfield and Barnet I'm impressed by but I fancy Orient to go up along with hmm. oh a pause I'm going to say these two for now but I'm going to you can come back to me in a few months when I've seen everyone <laughs> I'll say Orient and um, Salford for now two teams are out now they're just lining up just shaking hands Orient are in their wake all yellow and Salford are in their red shirts white shorts and white socks both teams uh, fans are in good voice Orient with a really good travelling support considering it's a half 12 kickoff on TV must have about two, 300 here and a stand away to my right Salford away to my left there just getting them all behind the team you can hear the atmosphere building and we're ready to go the national season is back and up and ready and off we go so we're still awaiting the first goal of the National League season here. It's nil-nil. Been a lively game. Salford have looked good going forward late. Norrin have sucked it up well and it hit well on the break. Salford have had a couple of good efforts, mainly from uh, Ibi Torre, which has been well saved by Dean Brill. And then Alex Law has had the best chance probably of the game for both sides when he's, uh, his curling effort hit both posts, rolled across the line and been cleared away. Been lot, a lot of penetration so far and a warm day here in Salford, but it's still nil-nil at half-time. So I'm here at the NL full-time podcast with late Norrin manager Justin Enneberg and we've just witnessed a cracking opening game to the National League season it finished one all in the end is it a point you're satisfied with? Yeah I think it would have been harsh on us if we hadn't left with something I think we had some really good chances and I, and I think it was a very good entertaining game mm. um, and, and of a real good standard two teams competing you know to, to take the win but yeah, you know, I, I suppose if over the chances created probably honours were even and, and a fair result It was a solid first half I mean you looked to play on the break you had the best chance off the post and yourself had a couple of efforts but then second half you must have been frustrated because you came out and it was just a, they got across his man didn't he to put it in the net in the end gaff yeah no it was uh, we were flat we didn't you know I thought we finished the first half strongly but never picked that up you know credit their home team I think they started aggressively caught us on the back foot and we were punished for that but that was probably about the only time that we were caught like that and we were a little bit flat but you know I think um you know, I, I did stand out at one stage thinking that we probably wouldn't get back into the game the amount of chances we missed but you know, we've gone to the end and I think like I say everyone would be here today but I can't think that they would complain of, of us getting something from the game did you feel like it was going to be one of those days when Charlie Lee hits the post and Macaulay Bonds missed a couple of opportunities? You could just think it's just not going to go in. And then there was a scramble for the goal as well, and you're thinking that's not going in either. Yeah, no, I, I thought we were living a charmed life, and um, I, I thought at times it, it just wasn't going to be our day. But uh, listen, credit to my players, they've, they've gone right to the end. I mean, we've spoken to a lot of people, we've made predictions on the podcast as well, and we've said that you and Salford will both be up there. Do you feel that that will be the case? Do you think we've seen maybe the top two teams in the division today? I think we're both going to be competitive I think you know it's, it's a real tough team with some very good teams in the league I think the, the only difficulty here is you only get one automatic promotion so to say that you're going to be at the top is very difficult you know we, we only finished 13th last year but I, I certainly feel that we can we're capable of making ourselves 
in, in a sh- with a shout for the playoffs. And it's always good to get off to a positive start. Obviously, last year you, you weren't here at this stage of the season, but they, they came out and lost the opening game, and it kind of set the tone for the start of the season, didn't it? Whereas this year you've got a settled side, you've got a point, and you can probably build on that now. Yeah, for me, I think the players have picked up today's performance of where they left off very much on the front foot show that they're understanding this level now I think it caught a few out last season but I think we're fully aware and better equipped for what lies ahead So I'm here with Josh Coulson and Josh uh, a hard fought draw but probably maybe regrets that you didn't win in the end Yeah we've had some clear cut chances yeah, yeah. but yeah, we went one nil down and uh, shows the character in our change room that we've come back and, and got a good point really away from home to a strong Salford side that everyone knows what they've done yeah. over the summer and they've got some really good players so point away from home is always good you said you were coming here with no fear, I saw your comments in a week, you said you were coming here to win and it was probably a bit of a blow to go behind really because it was a fairly even controlled game, wasn't it, from both sides? It was, we knew it was going to be a tight game because we know what we can do. Yeah, early early second half they scored and look, we've gone behind in pre-season a couple of times against some good sides and, and we've come back, um, shows the character we've got. Look, we dug together, stuck together and, and got what we deserved at least anyway. What can this team do this year? Um, you've obviously got experience with yourself, Alex Lawless, uh, Joby McEnough. Te- people who've won promotion before, can this team go on and win it? I tip you to win it, so please do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. Yeah. We'll take every game as it comes. It's cliche, isn't it? But yeah. we won't get ahead of ourselves. We'll work hard. and There's a lot of games in this month, so I think that will shape up to who's going to be where and, and what we can do. But we've got a big game Tuesday now at home, and we'll prepare for that. Well, I said to the manager, I just said it was a, it's a better start than last year. You've got a point on the board now compared to what you didn't have last year, and I suppose now you can build on that, can't you? Exactly. Gives us a foundation. We'll do all the things we need to prepare for on Tuesday and hopefully get some more points on the board. So I'm back here in the studio after my day out at Salford, and I've got three great guests on the line. I have got Rob Worrell, who's here as always. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. Morning, boys. And I've got uh, Tom Lang, who sent us in his brilliant predictions last week, but I've actually got him on the line today. Hello, Tom. Hi, how you doing? Good, cheers. And we have a very special guest as well. We've got Adam Virgo. Hello, Adam. How are you, boys? Really, really good. In terms of, we'll start off yesterday. I mean, earlier on, you heard all the stuff we did at Salford, and, and you were there covering it for BT as well, Adam. And um, I thought it was a good first half, but it was a cracking second half, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was a really good game of football. Um, you kind of go into those games. I go, I go into those games at the start of the season quite open-minded. Whether or not you know the players are going to be nervous, or the players gelled over pre-season. You know the manager looks to try and find a formula and a formation to, to try and suit at the start of the season. But as we said before, the, the starting eleven will probably not be the starting eleven in the last game of the season. You know, there's always twists and turns. But I thought for a starter, I thought it was a decent game of football. There are periods where I thought. Salford played really well. There was periods where I thought Leighton Orient played very well, and then there was one or two periods in the game where you know it was a little bit scrappy and the ball was turning over quite quickly. I thought the result probably wasn't fair. I felt that Leighton Orient should have come away with three points, but I think for Salford now it's a bit like I think it's important that they got that first game over and done with. The, the press interest that they've had nationally, from you know radio to papers to, to TV, I think Graham will be pleased now that, that you know they can get that game over and done with, and, and they can now look onto the season until you know maybe the next patch of form. Or, or the next run of results which may not go against them then they'll be back in the spotlight again I, I asked Justin Edwin yesterday do you think that we've seen the two best teams in the league Adam the two teams that could well go up from this division well it'll certainly be there or thereabouts and you have to really see how Justin's gone into the transfer market and I think he's done the right thing because I thought he got a tune out of the players towards the end of last season when he took over from Steve Davis those players were underachieving massively and he's probably gone in there and saw a change in the players a change in the mentality and 
that that would have been a game last year that they would have lost under Steve. Um, I, and I do have sympathy for Steve. I think that the club he went into was not easy. I think that the changes that he was under, the lateness of the transfers that he made, the Justin's probably thought, right, I need one or two little positions that, that need tinkering. I still think he may need one or two because I think that squad, providing they don't get injured or suspended, will certainly push for a playoff play. Salford, you always feel that they've just got the money behind them, that they're, they're going to be there or thereabouts. But, you know, regardless of Barnett's result, um, I still think they'll be there or thereabouts and, and Chesterfield as well. So I think that they're, they're, they're certainly be strong contenders. I think you're probably looking at those three in particular, in my mind, that are going to be pushing for the top top three, top four. It's a strange one yesterday, because I, I, I was saying to, I was sat next to Matt Badcock from the non-league paper, and I was saying Alex Lawless was probably late Norwich's best player in terms of mopping everything up but then as soon as he took him off they became such more of an attacking threat and they really created the chances once he brought on the likes of Dayton and Charlie Lee well he did as well and you know I thought um, that, that you know the substitutions that, that he made yesterday that that's the area because he starts with Mackinough out on the wing and when you've got Karoma and you've got Mackinough on either side it, it, it's an imbalance of you know pace going forward And but I, I thought his substitutions yesterday were, were really really positive and that, that certainly changed the game that you know he went in there I thought when he brought Brophy on on the left hand side and then he had Dayton on the right hand side they looked better on the counter attack and then you know in midfield with Clay and, and Lee and, and uh, Mackinough to a certain extent those three in particular are not going to be players that are going to be making runs into the box so you, you're almost relying on your wide players to offer Alabi and Macaulay bond a bit of support in that final third, and I thought they finished this, the the first uh, sorry the second half really really strong and showed great great character after going a goal down to you know it was a very very good goal from Salford. Tom, you watched the game as well. What were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I did. I thought um, I agree with Adam. I thought I was surprised to see Leighton Orient not manage to pick up the full three points. I think um, the game really changed when James Brophy came on. Um, his incisiveness and direct running uh, was a real threat, particularly at that stage of the game. Seventy minutes in, first game of the season, tired legs bring on a direct runner like um, Brophy and it's going to cause problems. I think if you played that game in two weeks, I don't think you'd have seen the missed chances from the likes of Macaulay Bond and Josh Caroma. You know, Caroma scored seven and six in pre-season and I was really surprised to see him and Bond miss essentially two, two sitters really. But, you know, a point isn't a bad result for either side really. It gets Salford off the ground and up and running in this league. That first game was always going to be huge pressure for them simply because of the money they've spent, the expectations that have come in with Graham Alexander. So both sides I think will probably be quite glad to get that out of the way without being too bloodied Yeah it was, it was a bit of first day back at school stuff at times wasn't it but as you say Tom Salford have got that point on the board now and uh, they go up to Gateshead now Robbie um, we uh, we all tipped to go down got a really good win at Maidenhead on Saturday and Salford would have thought go there to target three points but we Gateshead on a, a, after a good win Rob it, it won't be as easy for him now will it? It's the two probably you know the most contrasting in terms of, uh, let's say, expectations for this season, isn't it, really? Yeah, I, I think we might have a slightly higher proportion of Gateshead, Barrow and Solihull Moors fans listening today. So let's, uh, let's, let's doff our cap and, uh, and let's give them huge credit for great starts. All three of them are heavily tipped in our predictions to go down. But yeah, I mean, the way to go, I suppose, if you haven't got the clout in terms of the finance or the players, the way to go is to build that siege mentality, a small group that's together. And Gateshead certainly seemed to have hit the ground running after what was a strong pre- pre-season. It doesn't always correlate that a good pre-season turns into a good season but what a great start for them yesterday uh, 3-1 at Maidenhead and uh, all credit to them for that and also uh, to Barrow for, for scoring three goals and winning at home uh, I saw a tweet from a friend of the show Jeff Brazier 
along those lines. The fact that uh, the Barrow fans have had to wait a very long time for a home win. Adam, I mean, what what results stood out for you yesterday? There was a lot of surprising results. You know, maybe that didn't quite go the way everyone thought. Really, yeah, you, you you always I always look at the first day of the season where you know maybe some of the the teams that might be struggling may pick up a a three points that they may not pick in say you know March and March and April really so it, it, it's, it's, it's important that they get off to good starts and it was good to see Tim Flowers I think at Solihull to, to get those three points you know change a manager over the season Eastley again you're just never going to know what what, what they're going to come up with and, and, and where they're going to go this season I know they've got new owners coming in so it's going to be probably slightly different from what they've been used to before um, I thought it was a good result for Chesterfield because Ebbsfleet last season at home were very, very strong, very, very good. Um, so for Martin to, to get those three points. But I'd, I'd probably pick out Solihull because it was a tough season for them last year. And I remember doing the podcast with you boys halfway through the season. I felt they had no chance of getting out. But their home form saw them through. And um, it, it's, it's a confidence builder to, to, to get three points on the opening day of the season. And you know to go a goal behind and get two, three, two goals sorry, in the last ten minutes shows character from last season that they built and they've continued that this season. And do you think Solihull will struggle, Adam? I mean, Rob was the only one who predicted them not to go down out with the four of us, but and they've they shown great character to come from behind yesterday. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, think, I think for Tim that's going to be a really, really pleasing aspect, that you go a goal down away from home, and especially where they were in the league as well, and you know they've tried to bring in a tiny bit of experience with, um, with Danny Wright, but it's, it's going to be a tough season for them, and they overachieved last year probably from... From where they from where they were halfway through the season, but I think overall, um, but it'll be a struggle. But I, I, they may just have enough to stay up. But it's going to be a long season, and recruitment for them is going to be vitally important when you know when they pick up one or two injuries for Tim. Tom Barrow was that the uh, the standout result for you against ha- you saw Haven't last year and. They went up as champions dramatically. Probably one of the longest trips they'll face this season was on the opening day. They've got it out of the way, but with a 3-0 defeat at Barrow, who everyone tipped to go down. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's a surprise result, I think. Haven't and Waterlooville, they looked very, very good last season. I think even though they have brought in Alfie Pavey, who, again, had a great pre-season, the loss of Jason Pryor, who didn't want to make that step up to more travel in the National League, him going to Dorking, although they've replaced him with a good striker, two really when you factor in Cabamba as well, it necessitates a change in playing style. He's a very different type of striker to Pavey. And maybe they're just going to have a few teething problems making those changes at a higher step up as well. Um, I know Bradbury spoke after the game about how it was a bit of a culture shock for his side going up this level and it is a higher standard. Really, when you look at the results of the four promoted teams, including Salford, two points picked up and a minus five goal difference across the four games, that's just really indicative of how high the leap in, in quality is when you make that move up from step two to step one. I mean, you pointed it out last, re- last week, Rob, didn't you? In terms of haven't won't faced anything like going to Barrow before, going up north partisan crowd very rough and tumble isn't it yeah totally you make the point perfectly there Luke and uh, yeah they will have had a bit of a coming down to earth wouldn't they they did another side that had a strong pre-season they, they beat a couple of uh, football league sides in uh, in pre-season so uh, the, the expectations will have crept up a little bit but uh, 
one thing sort of I noticed from, from the game I was at yesterday is a lot of early seasons you've got mi- a lot of teams out there with maybe half the players that were there last season half of them new it certainly will take a while to settle down I just wanted to come in on the point you've been generally making about the standout results for me mine was also uh, Chesterfield going to Ebbsfleet and winning 1-0 it's all very well Martin Allen uh, Mar- Martin coming in and he's uh, he, he you know he's won the, the league before and all the rest of it and some good signings but it's a big club they've been on a downer for two consecutive seasons and it's about stopping swinging and changing the momentum and to get off to a winning start for them is huge to go to Ebbsfleet and do it with a clean sheet is huge um, and that for me was the standout result and you know, Aldershot go to Chesterfield on Tuesday. With these big clubs, when they do come down, it can be, I wanted to ask Adam about this, you think about Orient last year. There will be a nucleus of people who've got that expectation. They're a big club, they've come down, they're just going to sweep all before them. And if things don't happen, if they don't get off to the right start, if they don't get a win in those first couple of games, the uh, the, the supporters, the fickle ones, can, can kind of turn on them very quickly and very easily, Adam, can't they? Yeah, they can do. I mean, you only have to look from Premier League down to Championship, the three sides that come down from the Championship, they kind of go in, you know, you look at Stoke, for instance, they go into the season with an area of expectation, Swansea as well, an expectation that they should go straight back up, and it is the same with every single league. You know, Blackburn got relegated, they were expected to go back up. So it's, it's it comes with the territory of being a football league side and, and dropping into, into the National League. And I think almost on the other side of it, it's hard because... You know, the aim is to get promoted. You don't sort of drop down into the division and think, well, we'll stay here for three or four years and see how we go. So your mm. your expectation is straight away is what we need to get promoted. But on the other side of it, you have to be realistic about it. And, you know, I think Leighton Orient last year were quite slightly unrealistic that you don't go through that turmoil of, you know, the, the chairman and, and virtually almost going into administration and losing business to oh yeah no we'll win the league easily don't worry about that where you've got other settled sides in the in the in the national league that actually think that, that, that they can do it and Salford are in a slightly different position because they're going up rather than coming down so I I mentioned on commentary yesterday I think the likes of Chesterfield and Barnet and you know Aldershot you know the teams that are there or thereabouts last year I think they'll be pleased that the money that Salford have spent that they'll look at that and think actually it's theirs to lose and not us to, to lose if that makes sense but probably behind the scenes and Martin might be honest with the players and, and John say listen if we get in the top seven we've done well and that will be a bonus and unfortunately in football you don't have time to rebuild as what you probably used to. It kind of fans want instant results, and and that's and that's what anybody finds that's relegated from any league. Um, and now talking into the national league, so that 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 just comes with the territory. Into, you make a good point actually there, Adam, because I know in the conversation I had with Justin Edinburgh after the game yesterday, he said last year was a bit of a culture shock for the players. It took them a while to get used to it. Both Leighton Orient and Hartlepool when they came down last year, there was issues off the pitch as well as on it. Whereas Chesterfield and Barnet seem to be a bit more settled. They haven't got loads of financial issues they've come down they've appointed people who know the league as well and I know Martin Allen especially uh, I know what despite you saying he might be saying to the players they want to finish 7th he was quite critical of the performance yesterday and he said he's not here to mess about either so he wants promotion yeah he will do I mean he's, he's, he's left you know he's, he's been a football league manager and he's managed in the national league so it's any any manager you know, probably at Martin's um, age and, and where he is in his career now, that the aim is to be a football league manager, and you want to do it with the side you're promoted with. And if, and if you can do well, as we've seen with Marcus Bignett, and we've seen with John Askey, and we've seen with 
you know, different managers that, that are now being handpicked from the National League and, and making that step up into the Football League. They're, you know, they're getting more credibility. So a good season in the National League may not lead to promotion, but may need to a, a change in fortune for, for yourself to say, well, you know, we're, we're a side in League 2 with not a particularly great budget. You've done this with a, a lesser budget. Um, then you can go on and do it. And I think Daryl Clark takes massive credit. I think Danny Cowley takes massive credit for, for their, their way that they've gone into management into the Football League. But, you know, there are some very, very good managers down in this division. And, um, and, they, and they want to always do that. But I think you have to have a level of expectation. If they can relate that to the players and in the dressing room, and then if the players know where they stand, then, then you can do that. You're right. The last two... <coughs> Sorry, the last two teams that got relegated last year, Noren and Hartlepool, you were right. There was a lot going off the field. And I know fans and, and people may think, well, we shouldn't really affect the players on the pitch. But it does. When you're not being paid, that makes a massive difference. If you know, if you think you're not going to start the season with a full squad, that makes a difference to the, to the mentality of the side. But I think the two sides that have fallen down have come down into the league. Barnet have been there before, so it's, it's, not, it's not a culture shock to them. Chesterfield might take them a little time to get going. But judging by res- yesterday's result, a clean sheet away at Ebbsfleet, who are going to be one of the strong points, you have to take confidence from that to, to go through the season. The side who, who came down as we spoke were Barnet, Robin. You saw them yesterday at Aldershot. You saw him last week against West Ham. John's, John Still was very bullish. You knew what his lineup was. Well, that lineup went out um, at the Ebb Stadium. And uh, how did he do against an old, your Aldershot side, Rob? Oh, all in all, they did pretty well and they can count themselves very unlucky not to come all the way with all three points, to be honest. First and foremost, let's mention that. Uh, Whilst both clubs had a couple of players they couldn't pick from, with Barnett's it was right through the spine. They, 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 they didn't have Callum Reynolds, their new skipper, fit to play at the back. They were without um, Andre Bucard as well, who's a quality player. And uh, Dave Tarpey, who's kind of trying to make his comeback and, and hit the ground running, obviously a very, very dangerous striker. He was named on the bench, but then there was a slight uh, tweak and a twinge, and John still didn't want to take any chances. The game was not the most memorable, but and it was very difficult. I'm sure it was across the country yesterday in the heat. Certainly, Gary Waddock's team couldn't get their high-tempo game going in that heat and against a very dogged Barnet side. Barnet are not going to concede many goals. They're very, very well organised and hard to beat, as you'd expect from a John Steele side. The criticism they've picked up in pre-season, Barnet, is, well, they've not scored enough goals. And obviously, they've brought Byron Harrison in. He does come with goals, and... Uh, they were a little unfortunate yesterday. I think they hit the bar twice, the post once, and found Jake Cole in decent form as well. A couple of decent saves. And uh, on any uh, any other week, Barnet would have probably uh, come away from that one or two nil. Aldershot were a little bit disappointing going forward yesterday, and uh, they've got some work to do in, in terms of gelling their new players. Well, Gary Waddock trotted out his old line of um, a point's a point, isn't it? and uh, you can't argue with a point, I suppose. As you say, they're off and running, Rob, in that sense, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh, I think the general feeling amongst the Aldershot contingent yesterday was uh, they're a little bit fortunate, actually, and, and, and it's you know you do take positives, don't you, from from a clean sheet and a point on the board, and particularly when you know when Adams hinted at it, he, he, he sort of mentioned three or four teams that he think would be there or thereabouts at the top: Barnet, Chesterfield, Orient, and uh, Salford. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't think we wholesale disagree with that, do we, boys? Let's mention Halifax as well. That's a decent away win for them. Two 0 down at. Uh, Braintree, who were making their uh, reappearance at this level. Yeah, I was going to. Um, I was just going to mention the, uh, the the other newly promoted clubs. Uh, of course, you mentioned Braintree. A really good result that for Halifax, Tom, wasn't it down there? And Braintree's are still a tough place to go, despite them losing a lot of players. You saw them in the playoff final last year, but you did fear for them this year. Yeah, I did. I mean, Braintree always. Uh, first off, I like the club. I think what Brad Quinton's done there is fantastic. I loved his mentality that he was just going to 
give everybody a chance. You know, stepping up from from uh, the National League South to the National League, he brought the whole squad back for pre-season and gave them their chance to be National League players. I think that's brilliant. However, it comes with the caveat that it always felt a bit like they sneaked into this league on the back of one good run. They weren't in playoff contention. They put together a great run of form towards the end of the season and got that final spot in the uh, in the newly expanded playoffs. Three away wins, a brilliant penalty shootout victory over Hampton and Richmond in the final. They deserved their place in the league. I just fear that it is going to be a big step up for them. Halifax Town, I don't think they're one of the stronger teams in the league. And to go there and lose on, on your first day, or to have them come down and beat you on your first day in the league, is going to sap the confidence a little bit. Brad Quinton has, has spoken about how he has struggled to recruit over this summer, the quality that he wants to. Um, and of course, having watched Mark Okoye go out the door to Bromley, who's been an absolutely crucial part of what Quinton's done uh, up in Braintree, uh, that will have sapped some confidence in the team as well. Um, you know, Adam spoke about how these things do affect the players. When you see the good players leaving, when you see that captain who's got you to promotion leaving, that's got to sap your confidence a little bit. And that, that actually brings me on to another team that I want to talk about, which is Boreham Wood. I watched them in the playoff final last season as well. And they always felt, again, like a club who were punching above their weight. They've got a brilliant manager, but when a club that size gets to the playoff final, to then lose Bruno Andrade... Grant Smith, Alex Davey, those are big losses. Of course, the, the furore about Morgan Ferrier has dogged them throughout the back end of the summer. He left the morning of their match. For them to get a 1-0 win against Dagenham and Redbridge, that's got to feel like a line underneath the summer for Boreham Wood, where they say, right, the football starts now. We move forward into the season. We move forward on a winning basis. I'd quite like to get Adam's opinion, really, on, on the Morgan Ferrier issue. You know, how, how would that play out in the dressing room? Is that going to affect the players as they try to go through their pre-season preps? Well, listen, it's not ideal, but there's 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 two ways that you you know you certainly look at it. Was you know it's it's a good move for him. You can't ever stop a player moving. You know if if it, you know if it's anything to do with moving into the football league, I think as a as a player in the dressing room, you do want to play at the highest level. But the timing of it, you're right, is is unsure. And again, he's you know on his day, he's a very very decent player. Consistency for me has always been the issue. Maybe his attitude and mentality sometimes of why he's probably not really hit the possible heights. But you know, Dean must have looked at him. I know that he was there at the Files game uh, to see Morgan, but unfortunately got injured in the um, in the warm up, so we never actually really got to see him. But listen, he, he had seen enough of him anyway to to do that, and then you know him signing Andy Cook. So you, you know he's not doing the wrong things of. A bit like Hurstie when he went to Shrewsbury, he just sort of picked out players that he knew and players that he's seen. And he's one of those players that I think that, not like a Marsh Brown, but he's a bit like a player that on his day could be unbelievable. But the manager always finds, I can be the one who gets the best out of him. I'm going to be the one who gets the best out of this player. And it's not ideal, but for, for Luke, it's just another kick in the teeth, really, of losing another potential match winner. And, you know, losing Andrade. And you're right there. Um, the point you make was, the minute you do well... Unfortunately, the best teams start nicking your players, and and that just comes with the territory. And you know they don't have the biggest crowds. Okay, they've, I know they've got some money behind them, but it's very very difficult to convince players to stay. You know, boring wood. I look at them and think, you know, where else are they going to go? You only have to see the attendance at the final last year to see that that's them their biggest club. You know, biggest game in their history, and they can only get about two and a half thousand fans at Wembley. Do you know what I mean? So you kind of as a play thing, well, where you know they they may have to accept that they are a step club for players to come in and you can see that if you come in and do well for me you'll get a move but I don't know how that fits in with the club's mentality of trying to build and move forward yeah it's an interesting one and do you think 
the game against Dagenham was a good game for him, Adam, to get that out of the system. You know, a struggle at Dagenham side, not in turmoil as such, but really sort of cutting the cloth now accordingly, a young side, but with an experienced manager. They could have faced a lot of tougher tests on the opening day without wanting to disrespect Dagenham. Regardless of the turmoils of, 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 of Dagenham, it's still a game where... It's, you know, sometimes the name of a club can win your games quite early on in the season. You think, oh god, we're coming up against Dagenham, and then all of a sudden we've got, oh no, we've got Hart, you know Hartlepool on the Tuesday. You know, the, 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 you look at those games and you sometimes think about the name of the club rather than actually, you know, what what players have they actually got that's going to really really hurt us? You know, they, they you know they've lost one or two good players in in, in the summer, so. The confidence-wise, it, it would have done him the power of good. I think bringing in Manny Smith, I thought, was a great signing for them. I thought he was brilliant last year for Darth. Put him in my team of the season. I know Rob was a big fan of, of, of Manny's last year. Um, mm. But sometimes it can bring the squad a lot closer. And, you know, Dagenham have got an experienced manager in Peter Taylor, who I've played under um, at Brighton. He's a very good manager. Um, he, know, he does know the league, because I know he watches it, and he does a lot of scouting. So he may earth on, you know, young talent, um, you know, a bit like what John still did over over the years, really, of just you know unearthing talent. But it's just one of them is that you know their best players. And you know, I see Michael Cheek's gone to to Ed's fleet. So it, it'd be interesting to see how they pan out. I mean, if Dagenham get in the playoffs this year, I think that'd have been a, an overachievement for them. It's interesting you say he played under Peter Taylor. If there's any Dagenham fans listening, just just explain what he's like as a manager, Adam. Especially with the like he'll have a, a lot of young kids there this year. I, he was one of the best managers that I played under, and he's a very very good communicator, Peter, and. And above all, he's an excellent coach. And the training sessions that he will put on, the players will enjoy. But when you've got a young squad, they tend to make, they will make mistakes. And I think the Dagenham fans will have to accept that. But, you know, he's he's been the manager of England, I know, albeit for a game. But you have to remember, he's managed England and he was the one that made David Beckham captain. So I think his man management style is, is very, very good. And, and he still watches a lot of the league. You know, I know he's been scouting for... Um, a number of clubs and you know he went into Gillingham when it wasn't at really at its most comfortable but above all he's, he's, he's a decent coach and any young player I'd, I'd want to go and play for Peter Taylor because he's worked with the 21s he's worked with young talent he's worked with experienced players so I think a fit for what Dagenham need at the moment I think Peter fits that bill or you just go for a young I don't know a young young manager that's looking for an opportunity I know Chris Perry was once there in the um, in the youth setup. I know he's at Millwall running the youth team but you may go for a name like that who's had a fantastic Premier League career uh, looking for a chance in management and, and knows the club because he's been there before but I think Peter's a good fit and I, I know Peter as well is that um, he will you know if, if someone else comes along that's younger he, he would probably step aside and help him into that position that's that's the kind of guy he is positive maybe for Dagenham fans as you say hopefully if, if, if they get in the playoffs then he might well win manager of the year with what Dagenham have gone through we're going to look at another <laughs> newly promoted side now Harrogate who were a bit of an unknown to the league and uh, they were at home for their first game yesterday but they played another team who know 4G pitches really really well in Sutton and I know Tom you were interested in that game yesterday yeah I was um, again I, I always like to see how the promoted teams do especially uh, the ones who are, who are coming up from the Northern League um, it's no secret that my knowledge of the, the National League North isn't isn't great so it's interesting to see how Harrogate did against a Sutton side who uh, I watched in pre-season against Coventry City. I thought they looked very good. Paul Doswell, he's, you know, he's worked miracles down there for years now. And this summer, he seems to have, you know, he's let a few players go. Um, he's seen uh, Louis John move up to the Football League, and he's brought in some players that he knows very well, like Dan Wishart, um, uh, who's, who's a very good National League player. But you know, this one is one that really I think 
speaks to what the National League is all about. You've got two sides, one who promoted last season, one who came up a couple of years ago. You're travelling almost the length of the country to go and watch football. And then you get an 86th minute goal to take the lead by Harrogate Town. And then Jamie Collins scoring a penalty in the 93rd minute to make that 250-mile journey back down to South London absolutely worth it and you know a great journey to be on. I think it's it's very easy when you talk about all the drama and what goes on in football and the money that gets spent, you know, things like Salford and Billericay Town. But when you get, it's, it's always good to remember those 93rd-minute equalisers in the first day of the season that give you that confidence and excitement to continue on through the rest of the year as a fan and you know I follow a few of the Sutton United fans on Twitter and the People's Republic of West Sutton were having a great train ride home yesterday after they saw their, their massive centre-back banging a penalty to draw them the game Adam Sutton and, and especially Wrexham have kind of gone under the radar this year they've not really been mentioned um, in terms of being challenging for the playoffs I mean do you think Sutton will be there or thereabouts again and also Wrexham they've made a couple of good signings in the last week in Stuart Bevan and Jordan Maguire drew and he got a really good win down at Dover on Saturday yeah they did I mean Wrexham you know, after losing Dean towards the end of the season, it was. Um, I, I thought they maybe would have finished slightly stronger, as, as uh, you know, always well documented down there. That you know, as much as I'm a fan of Chris Holroyd, I think he's a, he's a good worker in the National League. But you know, to, to rely on him solely for goals is, is always going to be difficult. And I think you know, I like the way that you know he's brought Scott Bevan in, an experienced player in that sort of final third. And Maguire Drew, we know from from his days at Dagenham that he's a he's a quality player and. You know, went to Lincoln last year and on loan at Coventry, where he had, he finished the season pretty strong. So, a bit of creativity there from in the final third. But again, a young manager in Sam coming in, um, he would have taken massive confidence from that. And you know, a lot of games they drew last year, um, but you know, still with Pearson at the back, who's going to be um, you know integral again to to how well they do. They're, 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 you know, they, you certainly feel with with, with Wrexham that you no. Know, you know, Manny Smith and Pearson and Jennings, you know, that Carrington, you know, that back four is a, is a solid back four. And as you saw with McAfield last year, can be very, very strong. It's just in that final third of players, can they can they find the right formula and, and score more goals and, and not keep relying on one-nil wins? Because I said it towards the start of last season, there comes a time where one-nil wins, but, that, you know, they, it's very, very difficult to keep churning that out time after time. And it's different if you've got... A 25, you know, you've got Danny Rowe on your side or a McCauley bomb, but they didn't have that. So it, it changed the mentality a little bit. Um, so I, I, I think Wrexham will be will be strong strong this season and um, and certainly a playoff place you'll be thinking if they don't make that this year after the disappointment of not making it last year. Um, I know Sam's inexperienced in, in at this level, but I, I think they'll go strong. And it, it was a big win for them at, at Dover. And Robert, I know you've spoken about you like their defensive solidity, but do you think those couple of signings is a slight game changer for them now? Well, the key one, the person we haven't mentioned, the winner yesterday was Mike Fondop-Tolom. And I haven't done the maths on this, but if you take the goals he scored at the back end of last season for Halifax, which helped secure their status at National League, and then I know nobody wants to include this, but I think the guy scored in near enough every single game in pre-season. And he's taken it on, he scored the only goal yesterday. So he's a little bit of a raw talent, but uh, if you look at his last, I don't know, 15 games in football, he's probably scored 10, 12, 13 goals. So, you know, is he going to creep towards the levels of those sort of 20, 25 goals a season striker? We don't know. I've not seen him in action. I think possibly once as a substitute, so I wouldn't comment too much. But yeah, that's, that's the challenge for, 
for Sam and for for Wrexham. Uh, we know they can defend, but no, but don't anybody underestimate going to the Crabble and winning one nil because. You know, quite often the games involving Dover, we, you sort of know to some extent what the game's going to be like. Not always going to be the easiest on the eye, and it's probably going to come down to a set piece here or there. Well, Wrexham did a Dover on 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 um, on Dover yesterday, didn't they? Just uh, you mentioned in that last comment, Adam Danny Rowe, and uh, we should acknowledge that as well. Business as usual for Danny Rowe and for Fylde. Second half winner for Danny Rowe, and a nice three points on the board for file against uh, a Bromley squad that uh, you know did well last year and, and, and may well do so again this year yeah I mean he's, I'm, not, I'm not comparing him to Harry Kane but you, you kind of use the example of every season Harry Kane's put under the spotlight can he do it again can he do it again can he do it again and you know Danny's done it now for three or four seasons albeit you know leagues under the, under the National League and people may say well you never quite did it in the Football League but you know his his goal scoring record last year. You take that out of file, then they're, they're, they're a completely different side. And I think unfortunately for their game against Boreham Woods, a bit like what Sutton had in the end in that in that playoff sort of final to get to the final, it, it was doing good. Because again, the, I'm I'm pretty sure that David would have had calls about him over the summer, and you know one or two offers would have gone in for him. Um, even just even little phone calls to say, look, what is the availability of him? I know that they'll want to keep him signing Dave under a new contract that sometimes helps a player to stay a little bit more thinking right well I actually enjoy my football here the manager's signed a, a, a new deal so I can continue improving as a player and you know Danny's found a, a good formula at, at, at Fylde as well and for him to get get the winner you know goal, goal scorers love scoring winning goals as well and um, you know it's testament to him I think his mentality as well mentally to continue that on again this season his goals are going to be just as important it's just the same with Adam Rooney uh, at Salford it's going to be the same as Macaulay Bond or in for example these genuine goal scorers they, they want that golden boot at the end of the season and for them to get off the mark uh, with a winner will we'll, we'll do them the world of good yeah and it was a typical 25 yarder as well yesterday from Danny Rowe he's trademark now but um, just before I let you go Adam what I wanted to ask you about was this summer has probably seen a record number of transfers of players going from non-league and the National League up until the f- up to the Football League and like you say you've got you like to see Peter Taylor and that scouting probably speaking to manager up high you've got Paul Hurst Dean Keats who, who know this league so do you think that helps in terms of we know the quality in the National League but with these managers being there now they know what's down there and it helps them helps these players go up to a higher level and it also gives other players incentives to work hard and get to there I, I think it, it, it's, it's a massive incentive now you know for players to go down to the National League it, it's, it's a credible it's a creditable league you know, I do some League 2 games there's not a lot of difference in the standard of, of play and I think that's testament to all the teams in the National League that they seem fitter they seem stronger um, you know Adam Rooney's a great example yes it's money that's taught to come down here but he's still come down to the fifth tier of English football from a top tier side in, in Scotland so to me that shows how far the National League has come as, as a product and you know, since coming off that conference name and being the National League I think that's done them the, the credibility as well and hopefully with, with BT's coverage and you know you boys with your podcast and the non-league paper and everything else like that now the league is as strong as it's ever been and if you're not taking interest in the National League then there, there's something seriously wrong with you because what would you rather do? Go and sign a, a young or a hungry player that wants an opportunity in the Football League, who wants to improve himself, or go and look in the academy system in the Premier League and think, right, am I signing a player here with the right mentality? Am I signing a player that's going to be coming here who wants to improve? 
He's on decent money as well, so I can't improve his money anymore. But what I can do is offer him an opportunity. But you're thinking, why is he sat there in the academy system when you know he's not going to get into the Arsenal team or the Chelsea team or whatever? So it's important that you go out on loan. And I think now, I think John Nolan's a great example that you know, a National League player took League One by storm. You know, in, in with, with Shrewsbury and, and was a key player for them. And but the, the league now is as strong as ever. And the managers that have dropped out, sorry, dropped up into the football league. You know, the likes of Paul and Dean. Now, if Andy Cook goes and scores 10 goals this season, then you know the big target men in the National League got to be looked at a lot more because they can provide that on a on a regular basis. Uh, Alex Woodyard's another prime example. You know, he's got to move to Peterborough, who is spending money, big money, he's been made captain. So there is talent down there now, and I think now some players get that feeling of I'm never going to make it. I may as well go drop down in the league and just play football and hope to be seen. And you know, we always talk about Jamie Vardy. The talent now is going up. Um, is, is is going up in abundance, which is great to see. Well, Adam, thank you for joining us. I know I know you're a busy man, so I'll, I'll let you get back. And uh, pleasure, no worries. Enjoy the enjoy All the, best, the rest Adam. of your weekend. Cheers, Cheers Adam. Adam. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, Luke. Thank you. Just as an aside, quickly, more for interest than anything, Walsall started against Plymouth Argyle yesterday with Andy Cook and Morgan Ferrier up front, which I think both of them played in National League last season. That's that's mega interesting. I looked through my transfer spreadsheet earlier, and there's nearly 40 players that have gone from non-league in general all the way down to step four up to either Scottish Premierships, Scottish Championship, or the Football League. Yeah, and it, well, as, as I mentioned then, the fact you've got someone like Dean Keats, who's fresh out of the National League, and, and, and Paul Hurst, who's done well with Grimsby, they know these players, and they'll talk to other managers as well, and say, look, have a, go and have a look. And, and Peter Taylor as well, he knows the league, and it, he'll, he'll probably not stand in any of his, his players' way at Dagenham if somebody comes in from, will they? That's, that's the big caveat for him. Yeah, it's just, it's been, as you said, just unheard of numbers uh, every week I mean you've seen something on the non-league paper Twitter going so and so secured a move and it's like it was a big thing if three or four players got a move during the summer or during the season but now like you say 40 players it, it just shows the quality of the league not only in the National League but in step three and four as well yeah very much so hi this is Justin Edinburgh and you're listening to the NL full time podcast so now we move on to the, the National League South and we'll look at Bill Ricky and they won by four goals to nil down at Truro and uh, not only did they win by four goals to nil but also Rob won by four goals to nil over Tom because they both predicted the two Billericay strikers to be top scorer Rob you went for Jake Robinson and Tom you went for Adam Coombs and well as I say Rob you won by four goals to nil because uh, Mr Robinson got all four goals down there at Truro yeah he's a quality striker I just love him I just think of him as a non-league sort of Michael Owen at his peak uh, he's, he makes such intelligent runs he really finds space in the right areas and he's a natural finisher and uh, yeah, it was 50-something goals last season and I think he's well capable of, uh, of of maybe getting 25-30 in the National League South this season and yeah, he was my pick and it's nice to get one or two of the predictions heading in the right direction anyway and I'm sure, um, Tom, that... Uh, Coombs will uh, come to the fore as well in, in, in other games. Yeah, I mean, fair play to you for picking Jake Robinson. Um, that's only 53 more to go until he hits his tar- uh, target from last season. But um, <laughs> thankfully, he did enable me to be accurate with one of my predictions, which was tough times for Truro this season. Starting against Billericay, with all the money they've spent and the squad they've got, was always going to be tough. But, um, you know, there's a really good article on Truro in the non-league paper today talking about their ground woes moving out of True Road only nine days before the season started and then a 4-0 home loss is is tough on day one even against a side as good, good as Billericay they've seen so many good players go through the exit door this summer um, you know they've lost uh, Tom McHale who got called up to England C 
whilst playing for them a goal last season. They've lost um, Gering, of course, who's gone to Billericay Town. Missed out on the game yesterday. I think he got a broken nose in pre-season. You know, one of their players this season last year, Cody Cook, he's gone up to St Mirren. And the players they've been able to recruit, because potentially the turmoil down at the club, the fact they're playing a four-hour round trip from home, means the players they've recruited haven't been of quite the same standard. And it does look like it could be a long, hard season for Truro. In terms of Billericay, Glenn Tamplin's made the bold prediction of who's going to win the league. And it is going to be Billericay, apparently. Yeah, Glenn Tamplin, um, you know, Notoriously very shy and retiring. I was quite surprised to see him come out with a statement like that. <laughs> um, it's difficult to argue with him, really. You know, the money they have spent, there's still rumours about J. Emmanuel Thomas circulating. I mean, what a signing that would be at Championship level. But then again, Jake Robinson scored four. Where would you fit him in the team? The players that they've brought in at Billericay, complementing the side they already had, you know, it's just they've got a scary squad for National League South. I honestly, I could see this team making it uh, to the playoffs in the National League at least so I think the league title is theirs to lose don't be surprised to see more 4, 5, 6 nil victories but yeah it's great times if you're a Billericay Town fan and somebody else who had a good start yesterday you interviewed him in pre-season Robbie with full of beans and Bobby Wilkinson he'll be, he'll be bouncing off the roof uh, with their result yesterday and our, our second favourite Pratt uh, on this podcast scored two yesterday from David <laughs> as Wheelstone ran out 4-1 winners against Western Supermare yeah a very very good start for Wheelstone they've played a lot of I think they played three National League South, uh, sides at home in pre-season now they've started at home and uh, uh, yeah he impressed me with his passion the players impressed me on the pitch I have tipped them to make the playoffs Wildston and uh, the player that caught my eye on the day I watched him uh, Bradley Hudson Adoy, he, uh, he he weighed in with a goal as well yesterday so a sound win for them unfortunately a poor start for Western Supermare I think did get mentioned once or twice in our predictions for um struggling at the wrong end of the table uh, we got a bit of stick didn't we from uh, Gloucester fans and unfortunately for them they, they also started uh, with defeat uh, yesterday yeah they lost at Concord though Tom but Concord they've, they've recruited well managerial wise and they've also recruited well player wise they've brought in Billy Knott as you said he could be player this season but they've also brought in Alex Wall who's got a lot of experience in the National League he's been at Luton and, and Maidenhead and also they've got Lee Minchel as well who got sent off for them yesterday but they've brought in some really good players and Concord could be the real surprise of this season yeah I think they could um, I've, I've predicted them to be a playoff side um, I was really surprised about three or four weeks ago I saw one of the uh, National League South Instagram accounts were predicting them to come dead bottom of the league and I just I couldn't believe that with the players they've brought in um, Sammy Moore had brought a lot of people he knows from Leatherhead you know the likes of Aaron Pollock and uh, Sean Clahessy you know you talked about Alex Wall there and what a story that is to uh, sign for Dartford get released by Dartford with a week to go before the season then join Concord Raiders and score twice on your debut you know, what a story that is. As for Gloucester City, yeah, I've taken a bit of stick from the Gloucester City fans and predicting them to go down. But I really think that being in the South in the, in the South League is starting to hurt them. We look at three of the key players from last season. Captain Kieran Thomas, uh, he's gone up to, uh, to Hereford. Ed Williams has gone up to Kidderminster. They're both playing in the Northern League. And I think maybe being in the South League is starting to hurt them on their player base. Playing outside their home county, they're one of only two teams... At step two or above in a whole country that do that they're playing in Evesham 
that's going to hurt them as well. And again, like Truro, it could be a bit of a bit of a tough season for them. Yeah, like you say, playing at Eastham, technically that comes under the, the National League North. So if they were in the North, they're probably a bit more of an attractive proposition to Midlands-based players as well as the, the Southwestern players, aren't they? So yeah, with, with the travelling, I suppose that's why they're uh, the kind of the hands are tied a little bit, aren't they? Yeah, it, exactly, very much so. But yeah, I wasn't surprised to see them go down to Concord Rangers yesterday. As you say, Concord are going to be. They're going to be up in the top half of this of the league quite comfortably this season. Um, one side who who were quite comfortably top half of the league last season and may find it more difficult to do so this year. Uh, Hampton and Richmond Borough. They've seen uh, both Alan Dowson, their manager, and really the bulk of their playoff type, playoff um, final squad from last season head down uh, around the M25 to Woking. They've lost Max Kretschmar, who of course scored the winner for Woking yesterday. Charlie Wasmer, Josh Casey. You know, there's, a, there's a, a lot of good players have followed Alan Dowson down to Woking and Gary McCann who's coming from Hendon has got a big job to do to keep them up in the playoff places Zach Joseph one of the guys he brought from Hendon scored scored the opener from yesterday took him only three minutes to open his account but they came up against a Slough Town side who I think are well suited to survive in this league they've obviously not got as big a squad as the likes of Billericke or Dulwich who've come up but they do have quality all the way through the side and, and being able to pick up a result at Hampton and Richmond last year's beaten playoff finalists shows that you know they, they could be around to stay in this league Well look at the newly promoted teams Dulwich were the other team who came up with Billericke and they had a tough start down at Steve King's Welling they lost by two goals to nil and they had their one of their top players sent off Ashley Carew after 55 minutes which made the task a lot tougher for them uh, Tom how do you see Dulwich going this year? Uh, absolutely it did um, like I said I've covered uh, Billericke we've talked about Slough Dulwich are the other team and again I think they're well equipped to stay up I said in my season preview notes that Gavin Rose for my money is one of the hottest prospects managerial uh, outside the Football League I really think that it will solidify his reputation this year again another club with ground issues you know they've been kicked out of Champion Hill by the uh, by the owners Rio Ferdinand attempted to to purchase the grounds and, and let them back in that was turned down and they're playing over at Tooting and Mitcham which is a lovely stadium but, but uh, again they're away from their fan base um, it shouldn't be too much of a problem for Dulwich they've got a great support you know they they had a thousand the attendance at Welling was a thousand and fifty seven yesterday and I wouldn't be surprised to learn that a large amount of that was were away fans. They've lost Reese Alassani to Coventry, he was probably their star player last season. And as Adam talked about earlier, when a club gets an offer for a player from a football league side, they can't really stand in the way. But it does leave them with a rebuilding job to do. Nyron Clunis had a great season last year, he'll score goals again um, and signing Anthony Cook and Byron Lawrence makes them stronger through the middle of the park as well unfortunately for them they came up against the Welling United side who also have recruited well they've brought in Steve King from Whitehawk as manager and he was one of the managers of the season last year uh, I think I read a stat somewhere that if the season had started at Christmas Whitehawk would have finished third which is just astonishing when you consider the first half of their season David Ajar has come over from Whitehawk he's got to be one of the most powerful midfielders in the division John Paul Kissick is going to give them a nice little bit of class up front Brendan Kiernan's come in from Hampton and Richmond they've put together a really good squad and you know Steve King has continued his personal run of form with a 2-0 win to start the season Yeah and another good start for a team who were in the playoffs last year as well Hemel Hempstead against Chippenham Chippenham got two goals through Carnell Chambers but Really strong start from Hamilton. Yeah, it was. And I, I love the squad that they put together down at Hamilton Hampstead. Um, again, something that we, we talked about in the season previews was the amount of goals that we should be expecting in, in the National League South this year. And a quick look through the strikers at Hemel. 
Charlie Sheringham, Philip Roberts, Steve Craw- Steve Corley. They've got Sanchez Watt providing ammunition. That's four people who guarantee you goals at this level of football. And yet only Steve Corley was the person that they needed to score yesterday. And they still got four in. I think they came up against the Chippenham Townside who have strengthened as well. They may not struggle as much as they have done in the past. They should be relatively safe in the middle of the, in the, middle of the table this year. But um, I really like Hemel Hempstead as a side. Uh, they're so attacking, so vibrant. I fancy them for a playoff push as well. I'll, I'll let you get off then, Tom. Nice one. Cheers, like gents. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. So now we'll look at the, the National League North. Chris isn't here this week, which is just as well because he'd be drooling over the result of the day, which is Stockport County against FC United. Stockport with a great start to the season, a 5-1 win against an FC United side. We did predict to struggle, so I'm sorry to everyone out there who listens on, on FC Radio, which you can listen to throughout the season on there. Great start for Stockport, Robert. Matty Walbert and bagging a couple there. Yeah, I mean, they put some gloss on the finish, didn't they, with two goals in the last two minutes as well. That's a really, really good dart for Stockport yep they will at home and they will have seen that as a winnable game yesterday but uh, their fans and their players and their staff will pick up the uh, non-league paper over the weekend and, and see their players you know celebrating on the front of it and it, it's a real high impact start which I think if I'm really honest was a little bit missing across the divisions yesterday you know there, there wasn't too many of those really really eye-catching results but at that level and let's make them you know let's let's give them the credit team of the week for sure to bang five in at home on the first day and look at that crowd I've pointed out Stockport's crowds before because they've been two and a half three three and a half four thousand five hundred and seventy seven for the season opener there at Stockport and now they've gone home or the majority of them of course very very happy yeah well I mean FC would have taken at least five six hundred there as well so that was a that would have boosted the crowd up but it was great crowds across the whole of the North Division you look at Hereford 2,836 they got off to a winning start back at this level uh, they beat Blythe Spartans by three goals to nil and it's good to see Hereford back on the rise as well yeah I think you know whilst their their rise back up is meteoric I, I don't think they'll stall this season I think they can take the momentum they can take the uh, the crowd supporter base and at the end of the day then the mentality with Hereford is quite simple isn't it we've we've been knocked down we've had to start again we've got to get back we've got to get back they won't na- they won't like some clubs coming up to this level think wow we've reached you know national league north they'll be like this is the next stop on the journey and the sooner we get up to the uh, national league level uh, the better really solid 3-0 start for them as well to be fair having taken the credit for uh, goal scorers in the uh, in the south I've got to hold my hand up the air I did what did I say I said that Simon Ainge would be the top scorer in the north but Darlington wouldn't make the playoffs mm. well funnily enough what happened yesterday Darlington <laughs> got underway with an early Simon, uh, an early Ainge goal didn't they and then uh, one of the teams we thought might struggle uh, Curzon Ashton turned it round um, two goals and uh, three points for Curzon yeah we wanted our um, I wouldn't say big signings but certainly somebody will make a difference for them at this level Connor Hughes really good player been at this level for a while Brackley they got off to a defeat at Bradford Park Avenue who were one of those teams who everyone kind of lets go under the radar but you can't underestimate and um, well you saw Brackley the reverse fixture last year in the playoffs Bradford versus Brackley mm. and revenge for Bradford in the end yeah they got a cracking start for Bradford Park Avenue yesterday yeah poor start for Brackley they will have expected to go there and, and, and give a better showing yeah so one or two surprises the likes of Brackley and Southport uh, you know not getting wins and uh, 
Kidderminster 2, that looks like the game of the day, Luke, to me. Uh, Alfreton 3, Kidderminster 3. Yeah, they were ahead then behind 2-1. Rod back to go 3-2 up and then a late penalty from Bobby Johnson uh, made it 3 each. Nobody really mentioned him in predictions. I think there was only Chris who put him in the playoffs, really. But I think Kidderminster will be there or thereabouts, really. And yeah, if I could change my predictions, I'd probably chuck him in there now. But Southwark was yeah. the one as well. As I say, lost to an Amari Morgan Smith down goal down at Telford. Um, so a slow start for Southport, it's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It wasn't the start they wanted or the one that their pre-season suggested they might have. Yeah, I, 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 could it come back to Kidderminster, I did leave them out. They were re- they were right there in the final sort of pack. I was looking at who I'd predict to get to the to the playoffs. Um, they have lost a few players, but uh, they should always be there or thereabouts at this level. The other game I kept a close eye on yesterday. Um, I'm glad to say did go the the, the kind of way that we were suggesting. Uh, one or two of us uh, got a little a little. Um, idea of Boston United being a little bit of a dark horse this season they got a nice solid little bit late home 1-0 win but over uh, relegated Geisley of, of who you know Chris mentioned last week they'd probably be amongst the favourites to go back up but Boston showed really good form towards the end of last season and I can see him building on it yeah, and it was a really good pacey finish from Andre Johnson. He just ran through one and one and, and tucked it past the goalkeeper in the end. Altrincham, I mean, I was there last week against Salford and they said they were looking forward to playing Leamington, but one thing I said to them was don't underestimate Leamington and they needed to come from behind twice there through two Jordan Hume goals. Chris tipped to do really well for Altrincham this season, but again, Leamington, they were, they've, got, they've got a pretty settled side, Rob, haven't they? A pretty solid side and they'll, they'll cause a few upsets, won't they, on the way this year? Yeah, I just think we've got a continuation there with Chris and Leamington every time he predicts things to go wrong they, they throw you know throw it back at him and get a right result don't they but uh, I think he also wrote off Spennymore for this season that was his controversial choice wasn't it but uh, I think they'll take a lot of confidence from going to Chester obviously uh, you know with their new management team and the strengthening that they've done there and uh, uh, keeping a clean sheet and taking a point from that one I'm going, see, I'm going seeing Chester on Monday evening down at Curzon Ashton so we'll get more reaction from that as we go along and then I'm with you Rob aren't I at Chesterfield watching all the shot on Tuesday and we're going to team up together aren't we on Tuesday yeah that'll be fun and uh, great opportunity that we've had between us the way the fixtures have worked out for you to have already seen Salford and Leighton Orient and for me to have seen uh, all the shot and, and more particularly of course Barnet and then uh, I'll get to see Chesterfield at close hand uh, along with your good self on uh, Tuesday so it's a nice little run of fixtures a, a real old football fix to get the season going and uh, it's nice to be up and running well not if you're a York City fan of course they went down 1-0 to Chorley again big expectations at York and it just didn't happen for them uh, they got some goal scoring power we talked about it a lot pre-season and they come up with a blank in the first game Chorley a team we haven't really mentioned they've been there or thereabouts in the playoffs all season uh, over the last three or four seasons and I don't think they're even in the predictions this year I think people saw them as struggling now Matt Janssen's left but we'll see how that story develops you can hear all those interviews from the Chester management hopefully reaction from Chesterfield Aldershot as well in next week's podcast uh, thank you all for listening to the preview podcast last week we had a lot and lot of listens and a lot of support for it so thank you for that and uh, hopefully you enjoy this one and uh, Rob thank you for joining us cheers Luke see you Tuesday. I'll see you on Tuesday and we'll be back next week as well thank you all for listening